from RTE Brainstorm, The Science of Farting, by Vanessa Martinez of TU Dublin. We do it anything from 7 to 25 times a day, but what exactly is behind that passing of gas and is it bad for us? The earliest known joke to mankind originated in Sumeria, now southern Iraq, around 1500 BC. To no one's surprise, it was a fart joke. We have always found noises down under entertaining, but where do they come from? Are they bad for us? Let's take a gas-powered trip to the underbelly of science. Farting, or flatulence, refers to the passing of gas through the anus. The word flatulence comes from the Latin flatus, which can be translated as blowing, breathing, snorting or breaking wind. All extremely poetic descriptions of this particular phenomenon. Flatulence in itself is perfectly normal and has even been quantified. The average person passes around 400 to 1,500 millilitres, roughly three quarters to two and a half pints of gas daily, which is probably more than you thought. The average number of farts has also been estimated, with gentlemen blowing in the wind 14 to 25 times a day and ladies a dainty 7 to 12 times. Where does all this gas come from? Part of it comes straight from the atmosphere as gas that we swallow, mostly made up of nitrogen and oxygen. Excess of these gases is generally expelled as burping, but some of it finds its way through to the dark side. As such, anything that increases the amount of air swallowed will increase the volume of these gases in the bowels. Chewing gum, smoking, using a straw, even sucking on pens. On rarer occurrences, such as following stomach surgery for severe heartburn, the ability to burp is reduced and thus most gas exits the other way. A patient who had undergone this type of surgery was documented as passing gas at a rate of 5 litres, about 9 pints per hour, surely something of a record. Although nitrogen and oxygen contribute, the majority of intestinal gas comes from fermentation of food by bacteria present in our gut. The gas is mostly comprised of hydrogen, methane and carbon dioxide, which together with the swallowed nitrogen and oxygen make up 99% of flatulence. The amount and type of gas produced by fermentation depends on the type of bacteria in the gut, which varies from person to person, and fundamentally on diet. Fun fact, methane and hydrogen are flammable, so stay away from candles located at buttock height. It is known that certain foods are more likely to produce intestinal gas. This is because some of their components cannot be properly digested and absorbed by our digestive system and thus arrive in the colon pretty much intact, to the joy of billions of bacteria who proceed to feast on it and show their gratefulness with copious amounts of gas. These foods include pulses such as beans, no surprise there, lentils and chickpeas, vegetables like cabbage, broccoli and Brussels sprouts, and fruits such as apples and prunes. Dairy products can also produce substantial amounts of gas in the gut of lactose intolerant persons, as can whole grain products like bran, 
Interestingly, sugar substitutes like sorbitol and mannitol used in swimming products are not digestible either and can also cause those sheets to fly high in the night. Aside from specific foods, anything that disturbs proper digestion of food can increase gas production. For example, ailments that lead to poor digestion, such as pancreatitis and celiac disease, can cause noisy days. Not chewing your food thoroughly has a similar effect. This is all well and good, but nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, methane and carbon dioxide are all non-odiferous. So where does the smell come from? The remaining 1%, which is composed of various different gases that share the common characteristic of containing sulphur. The presence of high levels of sulphur-containing amino acids makes protein-rich diets a brew particularly offensive flatus. In 1998, researchers went to the trouble of determining which of the three gases hydrogen sulfide, methanethyl and dimethyl sulfide was responsible for the attack on our nostrils and concluded that hydrogen sulfide was the culprit. So, how did they determine this? Well, they collected the flatus and had it judged by specialists. As stated in the scientific paper, in an odour-free environment, the judges held the syringe containing the gas three centimetres from their noses and slowly ejected the gas, taking several sniffs. Odour was rated on a linear scale from zero, no odour, to eight. Very offensive. Think about this next time you feel like complaining about your job. If we know where the gas comes from and what makes it smelly, what's behind the noise? Contrary to popular belief, it is not due to your buttocks fervently applauding the sheer magnificence of your flatulence, but it rather has to do with the amount of gas passed, the speed at which it passes and the tightness of the anal sphincter. The gas passing through the sphincter ring causes vibrations in the muscles, similar to those in a musical instrument. The faster the speed of gas passing, the louder the flatus. The size of the sphincter, depending on how tight it's closed, doesn't determine the volume of the sound, but rather the pitch. The smaller the opening, the higher the pitch and the squeakier the fart. Relaxed sphincters produce lower noises. Finally, what is the point of farting? Excessive buildup of gas inside our bowels can lead to distension, enlargement, like a balloon, cramps and even constipation. Release of this trapped gas relieves the pressure on the walls of our bowels and helps to bring everything back to normal. On the inside, anyway. Outside, you may have no friends left or you may have to set fire to your house. Medical records show that Adolf Hitler suffered from uncontrollable flatulence, a tough condition for any political and military leader in need of a dignified presence. To treat this embarrassing disorder, he took numerous preparations, which included atrophine, a drug we now know can cause altered behaviour. Could we blame the Second World War on excessive farting? based on an article by Vanessa Martinez of TU Dublin. The views expressed here are those of the author and do not represent or reflect the views of RTE.